Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host and sports editor, Richard Pereira. Joining alongside me today is photo editor, Esten Parker, and contributing writer, Kevin Garcia. Welcome Fine. back, guys. How's it going? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing really well. Doing really well. That's good to hear. Um, starting off this episode, we have FU football. They played last Saturday for the 20th annual Sugar Bowl against the Florida International Panthers. And safe to say we defend our title as a defending champions of the Sugar Bowl for a fifth consecutive time as we blew FIU out 58 to 21. Guys, what did you think of FIU's performance on Saturday afternoon? It was definitely a statement win. Um, that first half was almost like a warm-up for the second half because they just completely blew them out of the water in the second half to the point where Nick Tronti got game time late in the third quarter. Um, if that wasn't a sign of our domination over them, I'm not sure what was. Yeah, the offense was on fire. So it combined like 709 yards, I believe, between rushing and passing. And Perry had three touchdowns. Um, you know, Johnny Ford at 100 yards. Like, it was just unbelievable. It was a good performance. Um, the game really, I mean, it was close, I guess. Like, through the, through the first quarter, it was close. But then the second quarter, things got a little bit out of hand. But then by the second half, it was just not really much of a contest. Yeah, and I'd have to agree with that. You you were close on how FU combined in passing and rushing. It was uh, 710 yards. Um, Perry... After a rough game against Air Force, he bounced back with a resounding performance of going 18 for 21 in passing for 329 yards with three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown for himself. So a great recovery from a rough performance against Air Force. And the running game actually did its job once again, came back to life. And most of the credit can be given to Johnny Ford, who had 16 rushes, on 102 net yards for a touchdown. What do we think that uh, FU should keep doing moving forward? I think one of the things FU could start doing even more out of like play action or option plays because not only has Johnny Ford been playing really well, but O.C. Perry's a, he's an occasional threat on the ground also. And he's been really efficient passing the ball. Um, I mean, we saw it in that first drive alone. They could also throw the default. Um, so I think if FAU can really press defenses over, you know, whether or not they're going to try and run it short and grounded pound or just throw it on over top of them, just keep the defenses guessing. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty good point. I mean, I'd like to see Perry run the ball a little bit more, maybe scramble, be more elusive, but – it's really hard to say what they could do after a performance like they just delivered this past week. Like, it's, there's really not much, not many holes that we can critique in their game right now. Yeah, um, but we'll figure out what they plan to do next game as they go on the road to Birmingham, Alabama to take on the UAB Blazers. That will happen on October 9th, a Saturday at 3.30 p.m., and it will be broadcast on stadium. So... Our fans, just keep an eye on your football team as they look to continue their winning ways coming off a Sugar Bowl victory. 
Moving on, we have Immense Soccer. Um, they played two games this past week. The first coming with, on Tuesday against Jacksonville as they torched them 3-0, uh, which was basically coming off a back-to-back 3-0 victory over Old Dominion like two weeks prior. And, that, and then uh, yesterday, uh, they went on the road to South Carolina as they drew 2-2 with the South Carolina Gamecocks. So the <laughs> FU continues its solid start to the season, its best start since 1991, and the offense is still continuing to roll. Essen, uh, what are your thoughts on how FU has maintained its offensive performance? Essentially, FAU has done a really good job of spreading their goals out, kind of like we talked about last week. Nikolenko scored his fifth goal of the season, and Philip Chuck scored his sixth. Um, they are our two leading goal scorers, but not only are we scoring a lot of goals, not to mention besides our strikers, but we have a lot of guys that can create opportunities and distribute the ball really well. I mean, Luis Fidalgo, um, a fullback, has six assists on the season. I think the person in second, it might be Nacho, has third, has three. So great distribution. Yeah, they're continuing the momentum from last season. Even better. Um, last season, they only they had 14 goals scored in 12 games. After nine games this season, they have 21. So it's a major improvement. And then you look at the assists, which was six last season. Now it's 24. So it's pretty clear they're blowing their offensive stats from last season out of the water. So they should really keep it up. And they should definitely do that against Marshall, who are the defending NCAA champions on October 9 at 7 p.m. And it, and it is a home game. So head out to the soccer stadium and cheer on the Owls for an upset victory. Moving on to women's soccer. Unfortunately, the same can't be said for them as they lost at home 1-0 to Middle Tennessee. So it's pretty much a rough start for them so far. And what should we expect to, for them to adjust for the last games of the season? I think they're going to be way more pressing towards the attacking end. I mean, not scoring at home is really frustrating. Um, and excuse me, we've seen before in um, throughout the season that they can create chances, but it's it's a matter of just getting the ball into the net. Um, they just gotta they gotta create more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I when it comes down to it, I don't think their team is bad. Mm-hmm. Their defense is solid for the most part. I th- but I do agree that it's pretty much the midfield and the offense have to come to terms with one another and create more opportunities to score more goals. And that will be crucial as the season continues winding down. Uh, Effie Women's Soccer's next game will be on Saturday on the road in El Paso, Texas against UTEP on October 9 at 9 p.m. So hopefully they bounce back from their from that defeat and recover and end the season on a good note, potentially. Now, moving on from FU Sports, we have uh, NFL football of week four. So guys, what have we seen so far that um, has caught our eye? 
I mean, starting off, Brady going back up to New England and just just etching out a win. Um, that was a really fun game to watch. Uh, too bad for the Patriots. Nick Folk could not win the game. Um, he, uh, as Al Michael said, had another doink um, right off the crossbar. But uh, being a Dolphins fan and after us losing in really disappointing fashion to the Colts, I was even more happy to see the Patriots lose. Um, another game, the Packers, they look really good. Aaron Rodgers looks like he's um, quite angry. I mean, he, he, he's playing like a madman right now. And, and on, the other, on the opposite end of that game, Pittsburgh does not look good. I mean, they're, they, I know they're facing Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. That's a tough environment, but they are really struggling. Um, I'm not sure if they're even going to make the playoffs at this rate. No way. Yeah. I I rate the Bengals higher than the Steelers right now. I I think this is, this has got to be, um, Ben Roethlisberger's last season. It, it's just not looking good for them. Yeah. Big Ben is, he's cooked. I I think it's, it's at the end for him. Um, the Cowboys are for real as well. Three and one, they beat the Panthers. I mean, you know, they, they've won some good games, but. It's interesting to see where they go from here. And the Cardinals beating the Rams, like that was another one too that I really paid attention to because the Rams, they were early Super Bowl favorites going into the season and the Cardinals just going in and steamrolling them basically. It's pretty shocking. You know, a lot of people didn't take the Cardinals serious. People aren't such a huge fans of, uh, of what's his name, um, Cliff Kingsbury, coach. So to see them lose, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, they being the Rams, but yeah, I mean, the Cardinals look good. The Cowboys look good. Like you said, the Steelers, I think they're done. I think those are like three biggest takeaways aside from Brady going back to New England. Yeah. Um, I do have to say that the Cardinals have made an impressive start to the season going undefeated with a record of 4-0. So <laughs> the NFL is sure something to watch every time on a Sunday. And um, moving on from the NFL, we have the NBA. The preseason started not too long ago, long ago at the time of this recording happened on Sunday. So we have our preseason predictions. And um, how are we thinking the season will go down once it begins a few weeks from now? So I, I think the main, like, the main thing that's going to happen, the biggest storyline going into the season is what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. Is he going to get traded? Is he going to show up to training camp? Is there, is like, are him and Embiid just going to have a fist fight? Like what, what, what is going to happen? It, how ugly is it going to get? Like that's for me, that's the biggest thing I'm watching. Also the Lakers, how they knew they fit with Russell Westbrook. And then the Nets, um, if all their guys are healthy and what's going to happen with Kyrie, is he going to be playing games in Brooklyn? Is he not going to be able to play because of regulations? I don't know what the hell's going to happen there, but yeah, I'm interested in those three. I would say as like like in, in to order them. I don't know. I guess like really the Ben Simmons thing is the the biggest story going into the season. Estan, what do you think? I think coming into the season, I mean, Kevin, you said it really well. Where is Ben Simmons going to play? Um, and also jokingly, will he actually have the confidence to shoot the ball? Um, I, I mean, seriously, uh, I still can't stop thinking about that last game in the Eastern Conference Finals. He's in the paint. 
He's ready. He has the shot and he passes it out. Um, another thing I'm really interested to see is specifically in the East is the Bucks and the Nets. I, I think these two teams are probably the front runners, um, not only in the East, but I think whoever, if one of those teams makes it to the finals, they're probably going to win. Um, I think a healthy KD again, alongside um, James Harden and maybe Kyrie Irving at some point, I'm sure he'll play, but obviously his status is a little up in the air. Um, I think when those two teams play each other, those will be the premier matches and out West uh, like you said, Kevin, it'll be interesting to see how Russ fits in with the Lakers. Personally, I'm not too confident that they're going to make it out of the West. I think they'll make it to the conference finals, but I also don't think either LA team is going to make it to the finals, but I will, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So. Well, going off of what you said, Esten, um, I do agree that the Nets and the Bucks are undoubtedly the top two teams in Eastern Conference. And speaking of Eastern Conference, I do have my preseason predictions uh, ranking my top 10 with the playoff spots and the planes. So uh, topping the conference, I have the Bucks. Number two is the Nets. Number three, Miami Heat. Number four, the Knicks. Number five, the Atlanta Hawks. Number six, the Boston Celtics. Number seven, the Chicago Bulls. Number eight, the Philadelphia 76ers. Number nine, the Charlotte Hornets. And number 10, the Indiana Pacers. So what do you think of those predictions? And I know that Philly is uh, a little under the radar, but uh, as we know with the situation of Ben Simmons, uh, the Sixers are going to look a little bit dysfunctional, to say the least. And I know you can agree with me on this one, Esme, because we have a few gripes with Doc Rivers. <laughs> uh, he, here's the thing with the Sixers, right? And also, um, maybe some people view this as a hot take. I don't think it is. I think Doc Rivers is the most overrated coach in the NBA. But anyways, um, and I will say that every week on this show. But um, I think it all depends on what the Sixers can get back for Ben Simmons um, if they are able to trade him. If they can get a good package, if it's mostly draft picks, I think they're going to be low in the East, still make the playoffs, but they're not realistically going to be a threat to get out of the East. If they can bring in someone to replace him at the point guard position, or maybe improve some other spots, get some more really strong players around Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. I think this team can definitely be a threat, um, but still, no matter who they bring in, I really don't see them uh, outpacing either the Bucks or the Nets by any stretch. But it all depends on what they get back for Simmons. So, Yeah. Hey, Kevin, what do you think? Um, I think you have Philly pretty low. I, I think yeah. you're, and I think you have Miami a little high. I know. I'm curious. Like I, I know a lot of people also a lot of like ESPN and and Bleach Report they rank Miami kind of high, but I, I don't know if I see them being like a top three team in the East. Well, or even top it, four. It's kind of going off of last season because they weren't really a hundred percent because of the the protocols and having players be in and out all the time. It pretty much ruined the rhythm for most of the season. 
and that's why they were uh, finished the season a little low that time. But this season at full strength with Kyle Lowry replacing Gordon Dragic, I'm pretty sure they'll be more sound on offense and defense. So that's why I have them at third place. Yeah, no, that's fair. Oh no, I mean, I, I can. I wouldn't be surprised if my finish top three. I can see like maybe Boston. Not if they put it all together. Jason Tate takes a lead. We could see the Celtics move up and finish higher than a lot of people. Um, Atlanta would probably be like I can see them being a top five team. I would say top five, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Kemba Walker needs to look good. There's a lot of variables there for the Knicks, but but overall, I mean, it's a pretty pretty fair list. Like I, I could I could see Philly just it, things going terrible for them if they can't trade Ben. He doesn't report to the to training camp. Like they're going to be just a shell of what they were without his defense and his prowess on that end of the floor. It's going to be tough for them to really make any kind of noise without him. Yeah, and uh, and I'm going to my next prediction on the Western Conference. I have at the top spot, the Lakers, number two, the Phoenix Suns, number three, Golden State, number four, the Utah Jazz, number five, the Mavericks, number six, the Nuggets, number seven, the Clippers, number eight, Memphis Grizzlies, number nine, Portland, and number 10, Sacramento. It, it makes sense for me to have the Clippers a little low this season because they're without Kawhi for at least most of the season because of the ACL injury. And Golden State is pretty much, uh, if not back up to full health with Clay Thompson coming back into the rotation very soon. And with Andrew Wiggins now being, uh, well, since he won't have to worry about restrictions uh, recently as he got fully vaccinated, the, the, the Warriors are looking pretty dangerous with their veteran core intact. And yeah. the Lakers, uh, I'm not going to lie, they are a wild card for the top spot because we don't really know how they'll look as the season starts. But on paper, it should be a top team in the NBA, regardless of their age. And what do you think of, the, of those predictions? I think the Lakers are definitely a threat to make it out of the West, but I, I just don't see them gelling out. I think it's going to be, be between the Suns or the Warriors. The Warriors assuming that they can stay healthy. Um, if one of those guys go down, goes down, whether it's Clay Thompson again, Steph or Wiggins, they're still going to be a playoff team, I feel, but they're not going to be – I just don't think they'll have that firepower to get out. I think the Suns are still my favorite to get out of the West. Um, even if they don't finish one, really came into their own last season. Um, and, and they look like at one point, over time, these teams are just going to kind of each other up um and it'll be a dog fight to get us watch in the nba and he's still able to score like 20 plus points a game the lakers or whatever team lebron is on is going to be a favorite to go to the finals who knows what would have happened if the lakers were healthy last season would the suns have gone to the finals i don't know that's a, a lot of people question that um and then i, I think the jazz 
are a team to watch as well because they are essentially running running it back with their same roster. They were the number one seed in the West last year, and they didn't make a lot of noise deep into the playoffs, but we'll see what they could do this year. Um, and I, I think the Warriors are a team to watch too because they have a lot of hype with Clay, with Clay coming back and Draymond coming back. But Clay is coming back from two just catastrophic injuries, torn ACL, torn Achilles. Like, that's a lot. I, I want to see what he looks like before I start crowning the Warriors as like, like a, a playoff favorite. But I mean, they, they could easily, like if those guys are healthy on paper, they're going to be one of the best teams in, in the conference. I mean, they have a Godala back. They're essentially got the same core that they had when they won before KD joined them. So the Warriors are a team to watch. Um, I think Portland too is an interesting one. Portland, I know you have them at ninth, but if they were to trade, hypothetically trade for Ben Simmons and you put Damian Lillard there with Ben Simmons as your core in Portland, you give it to CJ McCollum that goes back to Philly. That could really change the NBA. That could be a game-changing trade. I would love to see the dynamic between Simmons and Lillard. I think they could be like a, a, just a perfect basketball marriage. Yeah. Um, so I do have Portland a little low because their offseason uh, disappointed me a lot. Absolutely. Um, and they're not going to be as good as they were uh, last season. So it makes sense for them to drop a few spots. And no I did have a surprise pick in Sacramento making the top, the last playing spot. Because the team after them is pretty much going to be New Orleans. And I do feel really bad for Zion. That team is outside of Brandon Ingram. It's just not looking good. And I, 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 I'm, <laughs> it's just sad. So yeah. with Sacramento, this should be their best chance to at least get a playing spot. They have a, a good core of players with De'Aaron Fox as their leading star player. So Sacramento should make an effort to at least be in the 10th to to make the last playing spot in the west and with that that'll be it for this episode of you you press play sports make sure to hit like and subscribe click the bell to keep up with notifications also be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news sports and more content alike to follow us on twitter it's at rich 26 barrera for Eston, it's at Eston parker and for kevin at kevin gar 658 Thanks for watching and have a great day.